0: up for our announcements send a blank email to radio-announce plus subscribe at
1: acblists.org that's radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org
2: good morning or ah, listen to me i'm already in australian time Good evening everybody and welcome to Out of Sight Adventures. I am Brian. Terry has taken the night off because she doesn't like to fly over 20 hours to go somewhere. So she's taken the night off. I have an incredible crew with me tonight. First, our pilot and host is my lovely friend, Desiree. Hello, Desiree. Hello, hello. And then... Taking us out into Radio Land over the stream is Darrow. What's going on, Darrow?
3: Good day, mate. All is well. Awesome.
2: Darrow's going to be an integral part of this call, and you'll see why as we go along. Desiree, please tell us what's going on.
0: Well, we will be landing at 10 a.m. Um, Sydney time. Uh, expect a high of 77 and a low of 55. The t- current temperature is. 53 degrees and delightfully sunny. Uh, if you are traveling from the East Coast, it'll be a 27-hour trip. If you're traveling from the West Coast, yes, it's only 14 <laughs> and a half hours. So there you go. Oh, yes. And the uh, exchange rate is for it's um, one U.S. dollar to dollar uh, thirty-one currently. Cool that's what i
2: know awesome awesome thank you so much guys we are getting ready to take off so please get your chairs to the full upright positions trays tray tables locked make sure that you are comfortable and ready for this wonderful long 13 second flight we're about to take are we cleared for takeoff
0: we are clear for takeoff (sighs)
2: And we have landed in Sydney, and this is what you will hear when you get there.
1: Once a jolly swagman camped by a billabong <laughs> under
2: the shade of a cool tree, and he sang as he watched and waited till his billy boiled, you'll come, oh, i sing Matilda with me, I'll sing Matilda.
1: Until his Billy
2: Moore. Come, on, with me. So that is the famous Australian song Waltzing Matilda, which I thought for years and years was about dancing, but it's not. It's about a hobo whose little swag bag he called Matilda and going around Australia was Waltzing Matilda. And there's all sorts of Australian references like Bilbong, which is a large body of water, the billy is the tea boiling over the thing and all sorts of fun things. So you can do a lot of research on that song and find out some really cool things about Australia. Hence we are now in the travel geek segment of the show. If you haven't figured that out already, ladies and gentlemen, this is my favorite part because this is where I get to bore you with tons and tons of facts about the places we are going. So we are going to Sydney, Australia. Um, this place has a population of over 5 million people in the next 15 years. They expect that to go up to 6 million people. It makes it the largest city in Australia. Um, Australia is about the size of the United States land-wise, but it has about uh, 1 12th the population of the United States. So they have a lot of land out there that's not populated, which is probably preferable to most people. Um, the It is the 12th most expensive city in the world to live in, City Australia, but it is the 10th best place, most livable city in the world. So if you can afford to live there, it's a great place to live. Um, so <sighs> Cadman's Cottage is the oldest house in Sydney. And it dates back to 1816. So it's a fairly new city, kind of like the United States. Um, 65% of all the financial business that happens in the United States happens in Sydney, Australia. So it's kind of you know the New York City of Australia there. Everything's kind of moving through the city. The business is happening there. Um, so it's kind of a cool thing. It's a desirable place to shoot movies. You think Australian movies? No. How about this? Independence Day was shot in Sydney, Australia. How about all of the Matrix movies were shot in Sydney, Australia? The Great Gatsby was shot in Sydney, Australia. So it's a really desirable place for even American movie companies to go and shoot. Um, Let's see what we got here. We have lots of... Oh, the music festivals in Sydney, Australia. There's a ton of music festivals all through the year. So if you're a music lover like myself and Desiree, Sydney's kind of a place that you can go visit and hopefully you will come across one of the incredible uh, music festivals that's going on there. Um, Over 30% of the population is from another country. So it is the most culturally diverse city as well as being the biggest city in all of Australia. So um, you have have that... uh, seen in the food and the other cultural aspects of like art and music and things like that. So that's to me is cool. I love when you can go to a city and get all those different cultures and get to experience that, especially when you're on vacation. Um, retail trade, healthcare and manufacturing, those are the biggest industries in Sydney. So it's not a huge tech city. It's not, you know, anything like that. But uh, still still doing making things and selling things. And that's the biggest thing going on up there. So the um, it is the largest overseas student population in the entire world. So there are more international students studying in Sydney at one time, typically over 100,000 than anywhere else in the world, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like, it's not an easy place wow. to get to. <laughs> so like over 100,000 at one time we're going to Sydney, I'm like, I don't know if I'm taking my, my pod 27 hours on a plane so I can go study in Sydney, but that's really cool. It sounds like a fun place to go um on january 26th let me see my yep january 26th it is australia day and it is the day they celebrate the first uh british ships uh landing in botany bay and so it's a big giant national holiday it's also my birthday month so you can't go wrong in january that's what i'm telling you so uh it is a huge 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 tourist destination city australia we have 10 million domestic tourists so if you think about that this is a country of only 33 or so million people maybe even a little bit less than that um and they're getting 10 million domestic tourists i mean a third of their country is leaving their house and heading to sydney so there must be something there to see and then they get four million international travelers so i mean just in tourists, uh, they're tripling the size of their city annually, just in tourists. So that, that's uh, I'm surprised tourism is a bigger part of their economy <laughs> when I read that stuff. Um, glamping is something that is big in the city and in the suburbs. There's over 600 suburbs of Sydney. So glamping is a giant thing in Sydney right now. So it's a big trend and you could do it in the parks, on the beaches, or go out into the suburbs and experience it out there. Um Oh, hey, Darrow, you with us? Yes, I am. What would somebody from Sydney call themselves?
3: A Sydney cider.
2: Yeah. So if you are from Sydney, you're a Sydney cider. So I thought that was kind of cool. And Darrow said it before the call. So I was like, hey, let me go to Darrow here and see, have him bail me out. Over um, 100 beaches. In the city limits, So like, if you like beaches, Sydney's kind of a place to be. Plus you can go there and look for the dentist where Nima once lived. So, I mean, you can't really go wrong with that either. So that is my travel geek segment. Um, we have a couple of people that are going to help us out with this call. So is Michelle with us yet? Uh, yes. Yes. Hey, I did see a Michelle. Michelle. Are you with Hello. Us? hey Michelle? Now for those of you who are a regular listeners of Out of Sight, she may sound familiar. She was the one who introduced albino kangaroos to us that pulled sale along on our Christmas <laughs> special. And I have asked her to come back. She has actually lived in the Sydney area. So I wanted to get a locals perspective of Sydney and the over 600 suburbs. That was mind boggling to me when I read that, doing the research for this, that's, you know, I think Orlando has a lot of suburbs with 30 and 600. So if you can share with us, you know, when you live there, Michelle, you know what you did while you're there and your experience in Sydney, I'd appreciate it. Okay. I've
1: lived in Sydney several times in my life. Um, Probably the longest I lived there was um, just before I moved to America. Um, I lived in Campbelltown, which is in the southwest of Sydney, um, where the main city was Liverpool. And um, yeah, it's about 45 minutes out of the city, I guess. It's kind of on the, close to the edge of the suburbs, um, not past, not far past there. You're kind of getting into the bush a little bit um, or into the country anyway more rural areas. Um, And also as a teenager, I lived on the North Shore, um, which is a very desirable place to live. It's a very nice place to live, lots of beaches. And um, I still have family who live over there. And, um, yeah, it's, both places were good. Um, I think if I had my choice, I would live on the North Shore compared to the Southwest. Southwest of Sydney is more of a, Um, it's a slightly cheaper place to live so a lot you get a lot of ethnic families that move out that way and uh, because they can afford to buy houses Um, uh, lots of families um, living out there the North Shore tends to be um, older money people who've inherited houses and stuff because the housing is
2: horrendously expensive (laughs) expensive (laughs) to live on the beach That's hilarious. So, what enlighten us a little bit to the culture of Sydney? Like, what if I was going there and I said I want something distinctly Australian to eat? Where are you sending me and what for?
1: I am sending you probably to, well, there's a little pie cart and it sounds really daggy, but there's a little (laughs) pie cart um, down in Sydney Harbour down near the rocks that you can get a meat pie with mushy peas on top and it sounds horrendous but it's really delicious
2: <laughs> now and if those peas are too like firm they're not serving them huh they gotta be mushy
1: yeah it's <laughs> really like that, like that mashed, it's like mashed green peas on top of a that's pie that's
2: awesome
1: <laughs> um, and I don't know, even know if you guys know what a meat pie is but it's it's like savory ground beef yep. in a gravy um, wrapped in pastry and it's um, very iconic Australian food. And it's um,
2: absolutely delicious.
1: They are very <laughs> delicious. And I miss them terribly.
2: <laughs> well, the next time I come by, I'll try and make one for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't get them. I just have to get them from the Australian bakery in Georgia.
2: <laughs> oh, well, yeah. <laughs> so, and then like, what would a typical, you know, night out be like, is there anything different than the culture here that you would do for a night out? Like, is there, you know, um, activities that you wouldn't see here in the States that you did over there? Or was it, it pretty, pretty no, easy? Even- really?
1: Culture is very similar. Um, okay. um Sydney's a very, um, music, uh, they have a lot of big concerts, and, um, any, um, any musician who comes to Sydney will always sell out. Um, oh, well anyone who makes the effort to come down under because it's a very long way to go and it's very expensive and um, so not a lot of people make the effort. So when they do, people flock to the concerts. They have a massive arena um, in Sydney, which is, um, I can't remember how many people it seats. I want to say close to 100,000 people. Wow. Um maybe 80 or so thousand, I'm not sure. Um, But it sells out like when, Neil Diamond or Pink or anyone comes to Australia. Um, They always go there and and people flock from all over. Um, One of the great things about Sydney, um, not a lot of people go into the city. Unless you live in the city, a lot of people don't go into the city to go out for a night out. Um, it's more of a special occasion kind of thing because the city is so big and it's so busy and it's, um, there's so many different areas that you can go to for different things. Um, around the harbour, great restaurants, great bars, um, beautiful scenery, you know, all the rest of that. So you, you would go, I mean, there's a, a big casino at the harbour as well the rocks area is very historic and it has a lot of restaurants and bars uh, and stuff. So it's good for like bar hopping and stuff. It's very touristy. Um, but it's, it's still fun. So you cool. probably see more tourists there than locals.
2: Sure. Sure. That makes um, sense.
1: Yeah. Um, King's cross is a huge gay scene. And um, if you're you know into that and it's, it's, There's a big, massive movement over there and a lot of people who celebrate um, and go out and that's kind of where you would go if you were into that kind of scene. Um, And that's very well known. Um, They have a huge Mardi Gras every year. Um, They have a big gay parade parade.
2: what I'm getting from you, Michelle, is that there's a lot of partying happening in Sydney. And I'm kind of liking that feel for when I go visit. <laughs> a lot.
1: There is a lot of partying in Sydney. And it doesn't matter where you go. You'll always find a
2: partying. <laughs> That's awesome. No wonder it's the 10th most livable city in the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Good to me. Um, so, so clear up some things for uh, us crazy Americans. Mm-hmm. Fosters is Australian for beer, but not so much. So, no,
1: only what, for people overseas. Australians <laughs> don't drink
2: it. So, what what would you say the top beer in Australia would be? Oh,
1: they like the Coronas, probably
2: a Tui's.
3: Oh, Tui's is good. This is Darryl. Um, Can I butt in?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Do, do people, Michelle- lived, so, just for those of you guys in ADCB that know Darrow, Darrow lived in Australia, I believe, or at least well, worked there for a long there. period of time. Yeah.
3: Is You're is VB them, yeah. still the popular beer there? VB Victoria Bitters.
1: Yeah. It is, yes. Some places. Yeah.
3: I remember that was a great beer. Yeah.
1: You, yeah. You can't get for that sure. anywhere in the United a, States, it's though. A I good believe. Cheap beer for people to drink, you know, all the time.
3: Oh well, I was yes. young when I was there, so that explains that.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm making my beers to drink list as you guys are talking. So, and if you said if you had to go to a restaurant and the one iconic Australian meal, cause we're foodies here. I know you said that the meat pies down, down on the street cart and I love street food, but if you were going to a restaurant, what would be the one thing you, like you have to get this when you're in Australia or Sydney?
1: That's really hard. Cause Australian is food is very international.
2: Okay. That um, makes sense.
1: They don't really have their own like food that they're known for because it's so multicultural because it's so, Diversified. Um, there's a lot of mixture of foods. So um, Australian cuisine tends to be very fusion.
2: Okay, that's cool. Yeah. So I like yeah. that. Um,
1: but then in Sydney also there's um, Cabramatta um, is a huge Asian area where a lot of Vietnamese people live. Um, great food out there. Fantastic food. Really good markets. Um, and I hope
2: everybody's taking notes. She's giving us like off the off the beaten path. <laughs> yeah. So you like the dim sum there, huh? Yeah.
1: Dim sum is really good in Cabramet.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on and sharing some of the local insight with us. We truly, truly appreciate it. And uh, next Christmas, we expect you to come on and actually sing the kangaroo song. that. So awesome, Michelle. Thank you so much. Michelle is by far my favorite Australian. So that's why I keep having her on. Thank you so much, Michelle. Michelle, have a great night. You're very welcome. You too. Awesome. So all right, guys. So we said there is a hundred beaches. So we're gonna get ready to go to the beach. But before we go, Desiree, let's eat because I'm hungry.
0: (laughs) Really? You want to eat before swimming?
2: Absolutely. No, that's an old wives' tale. It's not going (laughs) to happen.
0: Okay. All right. Um, So, um, in doing my research, yes, there was like a 1,001 different places to eat of all different kinds of food. Um, Oh, man. Boy, howdy. Was there a lot of places. There's this (laughs) one place that's a hot pot place that dresses a Barbie doll in wagyu beef. And then as you're, you know, cuz cuz it's a hot pot place, you have, you know, you're cooking there at the table and you undress your barbie doll from that's, wagyu
2: beef. That's definitely disturbing. Uh, <laughs> look, I don't even know what else to say to that. That's got to be for <laughs> tourists. <disastrous>. Come on.
0: <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Um, but the place I found most interesting was called um, Milne, and it's from a Swedish chef who came there. and uh, the, the, their theme is Thor and Vikings, and they've got 400 different kinds of whiskeys. That makes me so happy. (laughs) Um, You can get hot meats there. Uh, They are known for their dry-aged beef and bona fide rotisserie chicken. I know you always hear about rotisserie chicken. No, no, no. They actually put it on a stick over a fire. Like, that's what they do there. Um, When you order some sort of meat of some sort, they bring to your table a selection of knives to choose from. And these are huge. Like you go to Outback Steakhouse and you think they give you a big knife. No, 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 no. (laughs)
2: Um,
0: And the handles look like they're made out of bone or antler or something. So, you know, like you really feel like Viking. Hello. I
2: I can get like the Highlander sword. To cut my steak up with?
0: Um possibly. <laughs> but that's Scottish, man.
2: I know, um, but still it's still the Highlander sword.
0: Well <laughs> true. Um they um have drinks you can get like in a horn. And it just sounds like a really amazing, like, that sounds like a definite tourist, but food adventure that you, you know, hard to find. Um, They also, I thought this is pretty cool, have their own cocktail book and cookbook from the restaurant. So you can make the cocktails that they have Um, one of their cocktails that they were showing on video had purple flames as they were high pouring the beverage into its top. I was like, Oh my goodness. Yes, please.
3: (laughs) Um,
0: So, so yeah, total experience. Another experience I ran into is that sea life, the Sydney uh, aquarium has private, dining. I thought, oh, that's interesting. That would be a thing. Um, so it offers a self-guided tour, three course dinner, drinks, and six different intimate de- dinner locations. So uh, uh, they offer it in their day and night at the reef zone area. Uh, that sounds really terribly interesting they equated it to eating um dining next to the great barrier reef and i was like hey that that's a lot of wildlife to look at
2: yeah and if you've never done anything like that luckily i've been able to do something like that it it's almost serene because you're like typically right next to the glass and they're swimming by and I would floor imagine to
0: floor to ceiling glass.
2: Yeah. Floor to ceiling glass. Yes, absolutely. And so if you have some vision or you have a, a sighted um, friend or spouse or significant other with you, um, it, it almost takes you off guard because you'll get into your meal and you forget that there is a giant orca that's about to swim by you. And you're like, whoa. Oh. and when you're that close to them, not sitting in the stadium, you, you realize how large they are. And then uh, another experience I had was in closer to a shark tank. And so that had much more, you know, sea life in it. And you're just like, what's going on here? It's crazy. And, and it's a very, very cool experience. So that, that's awesome that you said brought that up. Because I'm like, yeah, that that's something you would definitely want to do.
0: Yes. So. Um, places of note, if you are a David Chang fan, which... I am. Um, he started a restaurant in New York called Momofuku, and it branched out. So there's several different momofukos. Uh So there is a Momofuku. I think it's pronounced "sibo" C- in there in Sydney, and like all the other Momofukos, they specialize in interesting combinations of food, um, like. Um, fried chicken served with caviar of all things like what? But <laughs> apparently people say it goes really well together. Um, so they have a constantly revolving menu there depending on season, what they can get. Another place is fire door. They have their menu is based around wood fire so like all of it uh,
3: you
2: know I mean? yeah.
0: Yeah, and they also do dry aged steaks there. Um, Dirty Dicks, they are known for their old English themed restaurant, including costume music and
1: food. Oh, yeah, and I bring that up. <laughs> Scary, horrible memories. <laughs>
2: oh. <laughs> You've been there, good. Michelle? Yeah, once or twice. <laughs> once or twice. Um, I love it.
0: And the last place that seems to, if you, if you want a good seafood fix, is the Sydney Fish Market. And they have a variety of places to eat there. Everything from super fast to like sit down, you know, lounge, have a, have a cocktail of some
2: sort. Awesome! Thank you for making me really, really hungry because I started my liquid diet today. So now I'm starving.
0: You're welcome.
2: You're the best. Um, now if you can, if you can uh, tell everybody how to raise their hand because this is what I want. We have Michelle, who's still with us, which I appreciate. Darrow, who has spent lots of time in Sydney. So if you have any questions. For our Sydney experts, or if you have any Australia stories or things that you thought might be true that probably aren't because we're Americentric and don't learn about other cultures, uh, we want to hear about what you got going on or what your questions are. So, Desiree, tell them how to raise their hands, please.
0: If you are on a PC, it is Alt-Y. If you are on a Mac, it is Option-Y. If you are on a smart device, whether it's Android, um, the Siri device, or tablet, whatever, you're using the app. So if you look in your lower right-hand corner, you'll find a little more menu, poke it, and you'll find the... uh, Raise hand button. If you are on a phone, then press star nine.
2: And do we have any hands going up to talk to us tonight? Anybody we, out there?
0: We do. We have okay. a number that ends in seven zero four.
2: Seven zero four. You're on the air.
3: Hi, hi. That's me. Two seven seven zero four.
2: Uh, this is. A, I don't know about this question, but I've heard that kangaroo. Maybe kangaroos are kind of like rabbits here i heard kangaroo meat is delicious is that served in australia i, I hear it is i, I don't I, I might be served in los angeles and other places but I just it's not, not where i live though thank you i uh, uh, thank you so i have had kangaroo meat and i have the palate of a kindergartner and it yes, was you abs- do. Uh, yes but i had it because somebody snuck it onto my plate and it was absolutely delicious uh but um michelle have you had kangaroo meat before and did you like yes, it i have
1: yes i have and it is very delicious It's it's very gamey. Um, It's kind of like venison,
2: like a deer. Yeah, I would agree with that. And what about you, Darrow? Did you like the kangaroo meat or did you not get that adventurous over there?
3: I did not get that adventurous. I fed the kangaroos, but I didn't eat them. Ah, very cool. Mine was in an egg roll,
2: so it it had a little bit of a texture outside of the meat. So (laughs) I think that's why I I liked it a little bit more. So do we have anybody else? Yeah, I would agree, and yeah, mine was spiced really well, but yeah, you're right. It was, it was definitely a little gamey, and that's when I knew it wasn't beef. And I was like, "What are you guys doing to me?" Um, but they enjoyed it. <laughs> right. The guy that didn't try anything. Number
0: ending in four five eight.
2: Four five eight. You're on the air. You'll have to unmute yourself. Four five eight. Press star nine to unmute.
0: In the meantime, we've got Pam.
2: Hey, Pam. How are you? Oh,
1: well, considering I got my second COVID vaccine dose yesterday, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, in, I'm doing okay, all things considered. You Not got your second dose in, but,
2: in, in two weeks, uh, we can my travel, My
1: questions Pat. are um, about how big is a kangaroo? I mean, I've never had a close encounter with one and couldn't see them at the
0: zoo but how big i think of them is small but are they
2: but darrow you fed them so i'll defer to you on this one
3: okay they they can be all different sizes uh the ones i fed were were bigger than me and i'm six feet tall so they they, oh, wow. they can be quite big yeah That's so
0: they're big me. guys
1: <laughs>
3: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: And and my other question is Brian what the heck are you doing on a liquid diet if you're going to Australia?
2: <laughs> well I got to fit in the the plane seat for 27 hours so I got to <laughs> I got to lose a few pounds so I don't I don't get stuck in that seat for sitting there for 27 oh. hours.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm.
2: All right we have okay. any 458 did you make it back to us 458? Okay. Do we have any other hands up before we move on, Desiree? Mm, we do not. Okay, cool. So, Darrow, I'd like to come to you if that's okay. Sure. So, tell us why you were over there and what you did while you were there and your experience in Sydney.
3: Sure. Uh, I was working for a Sikorsky Aircraft, which is a helicopter manufacturer. And at the time, they were selling helicopters to the Royal Australian Navy and... Uh, I was over there finishing up the uh, testing for the uh, for Sikorsky. And I spent a lot of time at a naval base about two hours south of Sydney. But uh, I was there 12 times. I basically commuted for three years, uh, a month there, a month here. Longest I was down there at one shot was, I think, three months. The thing I remember most about Sydney is, and Michelle will, I'm sure, agree with this, is that Sydney Harbor... Uh, One of the guys that was with us, that worked for us, was a sailor. And we chartered a sailboat one Saturday. And we just sailed around Sydney Harbor through all the little coves and everything like that. What Sailed under the Harbor Bridge, which there's, for those of you that don't know, there's a huge, beautiful bridge over the harbor that is referred to as the Harbor Bridge, obviously. And it it was just spectacular. I thought Sydney Harbor was a, a gem in Australia. The other thing is that uh, a lot of good, a lot of like Michelle was talking about, a lot of great ethnic foods, things like that. Uh, I stayed most of the time in Woolloomooloo, which is part of Sydney, very close to the Botanical Gardens and a beautiful spot there. And since I've been there, I guess they've they've made a lot of improvements to mass transit, et cetera. And the other thing I really remember is uh, there's a place called Circular Key, which is basically adjacent to the Opera House, maybe maybe a block away. Mm-hmm and sit down there, sip morning coffee, and just watch the ferry boats come in and out. There's lots of ferry boats that go across Sydney Harbor to the northern suburbs. And I just remember that so well, just sitting there, relaxing, and and basking at Circular Key.
2: Very, very cool. And what was your favorite thing that you ate while you were over
3: there? Well, <laughs> you're asking, I have to say, Brian, Thai food, is, and there's a funny Thai story behind Thai food, <laughs> because we, we were there so much, we kind of got tired of eating out all the time, so we jumped in a taxi, and we asked the driver, take us to where you would eat, and he took us to this Thai restaurant, and I wish I could remember where it was. It was on the way to Manly from uh, Sydney, and it was the best Thai food we've ever had or must have ate there 25 times over the course of three years.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. It's nice when you're traveling, especially you go, you know, I go to New York often and you find those places, you know, those places yes, that you're just, you, you can't wait to go back when you travel and you, you think about it when you know you're going there. And th- those places are kind of cool to find because it be, kind of comes your home away from home when you're there. So
3: right, they knew us in there and they, you know, gave us extra special service. You're right. It meant a lot because yeah. we're a long way from home.
2: Absolutely. So when you can find those places and you walk in, they're like, Hey, you know, that, that does mean a lot when you're traveling, especially when you're out extended periods of time, like you were doing. So that's pretty awesome. I'm glad that you brought up the Harbor bridge because that's where we're going next. Perfect
3: timing. (laughs) we didn't even plan it, Brian.
2: So the Harbor Yeah, it was a perfect plan. So the Harbor Bridge, if you uh, have ever had vision or if you have some vision, it is one of the iconic Sydney things you're going to probably if you ever see pictures of Sydney in in tourism guides or uh, people are doing something going to Sydney on TV, they're going to show either the Harbor Bridge or the Opera House or both. Um, The bridge is just breathtakingly beautiful and considering I'm a nerd about things, When I started doing the research, I didn't realize it was as old as it was and things like that. So this bridge opened in 1932. So you're talking, you know, we're talking almost a hundred years ago that this thing opened. Um, There is over 6 million hand-driven rivets in the bridge. Think about that. If you know what a rivet is, it's kind of like a little screwy thing that you put in and... You know, Rosie the Riveter from World War II and everything, you know, $6 million. Like, that's painstakingly tedious and really probably necessary for the safety of that place. So that'd be done right. Um, the original toll, and maybe you can help me out if you're still with us, Michelle, on this one. The original <laughs> toll was six pence and for a car and three pence for a horse with its rider on it. So what would that equate out to, to today's money? Sixpence, if you if you can do that translate. Mm,
1: Sixpence.
2: Yeah. Sixpence
1: is about ten cents, I guess.
2: So a dime in nineteen thirty-two to cross this giant bridge, or a nickel uh, yeah. if you're on your horse. And today, it's to me coming from the New York area where tolls are insanely expensive. Uh, it's only three dollars and thirty cents now for a car, and unfortunately, your horse can no longer cross. Mm. So. Oh darn! <laughs> are too dangerous. <laughs> but I thought $3.30. That's really reasonable for a a bridge that needs that much maintenance and all that and the fact that it is the world's largest steel arch bridge. So I mean, you got this giant bridge that needs upkeep and the tolls take care of that. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's impressive that they've been able to keep that toll down um for so, you know, for that little. Um so it is the length of its eleven hundred forty nine meters, or approximately six three thousand seven hundred and seventy feet, somewhere in that range. Um, so it, it's you know you're you're getting up almost to three quarters of a mile uh, on a bridge over water. So if you get nervous on bridges that are long, you may want to take a boat <laughs> because it it's, it's a it's good length a It's what I'm sorry. It's a
1: very secure bridge.
2: Very secure bridge, yeah. And the cool thing I found out too is the pylons that you see that you think, oh these are for, no, they're they're there for decorations because it's literally seven, I have it here somewhere, give me a second um, there's a ton, the steel sorry, I'm going through my notes um, 52 over 52,000 tons of steel to construct that bridge. So yes, uh, secure is probably an understatement. Um, so yeah, it's uh, those pylons that you see that you think are, oh yeah, they're there for a bit. No, they're, they're there just to make it look pretty.
1: And can Um, I give you a bit of trivia about the bridge? Is Um, it a suspension bridge?
2: No. No, it is not. It's a steel arch bridge. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, Paul Hogan. Yes. That was
2: my last thing. I love it. Go ahead. (laughs) Say it, Michelle.
1: He was a painter on the Sydney Harbour Bridge. That was his occupation before he got into comedy. Oh, that's true.
2: Yep. That's my very last thing. I love it. Paul Hogan was a rigger on the bridge before he was famous. And for those of you who don't know who Paul Hogan was, he was Crocodile Dundee of the 80s movies and a lot more, probably fam- more famous over in Australia than over here. But yeah, Crocodile Dundee was a pretty big deal in the 80s and I'm an 80s child. So I love it. Um, the bridges, I thought this was really cool. The bridges load capacity was tested by taking 96 steel steam locomotives and pulling it in different directions. That's how they tested the load capacity. I was wow. like, I oh. wish there was video of that somewhere that I could watch. Cause that would be really cool to see. I was like, that was really awesome to me. And um, the steel uh, for that was made for the bridge was 79% um, from England and 21% um, Australian steel. So that is the Sydney Harbor bridge, which is featured prominently in the Pixar movie finding Nemo which I'll keep talking about because I love that movie so much.
1: And if you ever want to see New Year's celebrated really well, Australia is the second place in the world to get to have the New Year. And they do a spectacular fireworks display from the bridge and the opera house over the harbor. It is unbelievable.
2: Well, now, now you said that, now I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot. So I I saw that, but I also know that the Chinese Lunar New Year is a big, big celebration in Sydney. They even turn the the opera house different colours to go along with it. So which would you say is a better experience if I'm travelling over there? Do I want to go for the Lunar New Year or do I want to go for the traditional New Year?
1: Traditional New Year, for sure. Traditional New
2: Year? Okay. (laughs) Um,
1: They light up the opera house several times throughout the year. Most major holidays, um, they'll light up the opera house. They even have a big festival of lights um, at one point through the year. And I can't remember what month it is. I think it's around may i want to say okay um and they light up the the pillars on the bridge they light up the opera house they light up the rocks um on the buildings in sydney they they do incredible displays of lights and pictures on um the opera house especially because it's so white (laughs) yeah and the sails just allow itself to be a big screen um it it is really
2: spectacular very, very cool. And the cool. best
1: place to be if you go for New Year is on a boat on the harbor. Unbelievable.
2: On a boat on a harbor with
1: tons of exploding
2: things it is going incredible. around. incredible.
1: <laughs> well, they do it from several locations around the harbor, but they focus mainly on the bridge and the Opera House.
2: Very, and, very cool. But
1: it, it, it is incredible.
2: That's awesome. Well, now I'm gonna I'm gonna let you correct me if I say this wrong, and I'm pretty sure I'm gonna say it wrong. Um, so we are gonna go to Sydney Opera House because that's what we just talked about. And like anything, Sydney, probably I think hands down the most iconic structure in all of Sydney. Um, if you showed somebody a picture of it, they could tell you right off what it is. I think there's very few people in the world that don't know what it is, uh, and, and I. I would imagine that if you're going there, one of the things on your to-do list is to go to the city opera house. Uh, it is located in Benalong point. And that is named, and this is the first name is what I'm going to destroy. So I'm going to say it slowly. Um, it is named after Wula row Bennelong. Benalong. How did I do on that? Michelle? Was I really bad? I'm trying to figure out where you mean. Wool, we'll, ara we'll, uh, where Benelong, who was a senior member of the Eora people, when the natives, when the British arrived, and that's why it's named after him. So okay. I don't, I don't know if I said that right or wrong. I almost said Woolworth because it's really <laughs> close when you have vision like mine. So I didn't, and I'm proud of myself. So that is where you can go, and there are some. That's some of the restaurants that we've talked about are down there and really supposedly great place to grab some eats Um, there. um, (laughs) The Sydney opera house was the, the opera house of delays uh, and costs. So the original cost was estimated to be 7 million. And by the time it was done, it was over 100, well over 100 million. Most of it paid for through a um, lottery and it was estimated that it would only take four years to build. It took 14 years to build. <laughs> so they, they underestimated a lot, but came out with a great result. Um, Queen Elizabeth II opened it in 1973, but the first person to perform there was Paul Robeson, who was a famous um, classical musical theater singer, and he climbed up on the scaffolding, and sang Old Man River during lunch to the construction workers in 1960. So he's officially the first person to perform at the Sydney Opera House, which I thought that was kind of a cool, nerdy thing to know. Um, It was added to the UNESCO World Heritage Site in 2007. I don't know what took them so long. But in 2007, so that is another World Heritage site that I need to go visit. Uh, If you don't know what that is, do a little research. It is a great way to plan your vacations around the UNESCO uh, World Heritage sites. Um, The white roof that Michelle made reference of, if you can't see and you can envision or have an idea of what white might look like, Uh, The absence of color, it is about as white as it gets. And there's over 1 million roof tiles uh, to create that. So much so that seven um, large aircrafts, they were A and maybe Darrow, you with your aircraft background, A830s. Does that sound right for an aircraft? Seven of them can fit across the roof. Uh, So if you can picture seven large jets, commuter jets,
3: i be a three thirties, probably
2: a three thirties and touching wing to wing can fit on the roof of this in the opera house, which I thought was pretty, pretty impressive. Um, so what do we got here? I don't know what I type. See, this is what happens when you type and can't <laughs> understand it. Hello. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what it is. Okay. So this is once again, you guys are am the nerdy guy. So It must be kept at 72.5 degrees Fahrenheit when the symphony is playing to make sure all of the instruments stay in tune. So it is temperature controlled to 72.5 degrees during the nights of symphony performances. I was like, that's so cool. (laughs) Um, And... It was over by Queen Elizabeth. And so Arnold Schwarzenegger, who everybody knows as the Governor and the Terminator and this great actor of action movies, he won his last Mr. Olympia in 1980 inside the Sydney Opera House. Never would have thought they would hold something like that there, but they do. And that was really cool to me. And um, (laughs) I love this little fact. Nets were installed over the symphony in the 1980s after a chicken, live chicken, fell off of the stage onto a cellist's heads during an (laughs) opera. (laughs) So, never did they think they needed nets over the (laughs) orchestra pit until that chicken fell on the cello player's head. So, I was like, chicken. cello player Nora chicken were hurt in the making of that opera, but <laughs> they did see the need to put nets up. Um, and then the water from Sydney Harbor is pretty cool year round. And so they actually use the water to cool the opera house. There's 35 kilometers of pipes that come take the water, run it through and push it back out into the Harbor. So I thought that's a great oh, way. That's of, clever. Yeah. I was like, that's, that is awesome. And, we are a travel show, and this is probably something we should tell you. Over 10 million people visit annually. 10 million people just go to see the Opera House. I was like, that's nuts. But that's why I'm going to go when I go, because I really want to go to the Opera House, because I'm a music geek. You so, can't miss it.
1: The Opera uh, House, the Bridge, Circular key they're all all like right there in the city. You can't miss them.
2: Very, very cool. Well, and then this is where I've always said it, Bondi Beach. Am I saying that correctly or is it Bondi? Bondi. Bondi. So I was saying it correctly. Cool. So Bondi Beach is probably the most famous beach in all of Australia. Like I said, Sydney's got over 100 beaches. And I'm sure the locals will tell you it's probably not the nicest beach <laughs> in in those hundred just in uh, Sydney, but it's the most famous. It was made a beach uh, as part of the public parks uh, act of uh, 1882. It's only one kilometer long. So it's not a huge beach. Like there's some beaches here in Florida that just stretch forever, ever and ever Um, one kilometer. It is only it's seven kilometers away from Sydney though. So, I mean, you're, you're, it's a little hike. It's a 45 minute bus ride to get from where, where, I guess all the buses in Sydney originate from one spot. I can't remember the name of that spot, but that's what the research said. So I'm going to agree with it. And it's a 45 minute ride to Bundai beach uh, on the bus. Um, so there's only certain areas that you can go swimming in because there's a lot of really good surfing and a lot of dangerous rip currents. And so there's only, they have flags up and That is where there's certain areas for the kids and certain areas for the swimming. Whether or not people pay attention to that, I don't know because I've never been there. But I can tell you that that is what is on like three or four different websites. And then um, the Backpackers Express is where the rip current is really good and is supposed to be really, really good surfing And so that's an area of the beach you're not technically supposed to swim in. Uh, And around the beach, there's a ton of restaurants and nightlife. So spend the day at the beach and put the shirt and shoes on because no shirt, no shoes, no service. And you have to go and hang out and have not a Foster's, but a Victorian Bitter's or Thule or anything over there that's going to float your boat and taste good and cool you down. That's what you want to do. Whoa, what just happened?
0: I have a question for Michelle. Yes. So I watch the show Bondi Beach and shows mm-hmm. plural Bondi Beach and Bondi Vet. How accurate is the show Bondi Beach? And for those who don't know, it's about Bondi Beach and the lifeguards there.
2: And every. Thing that she's talking about can be found on YouTube because I watched multiple episodes of it <laughs> <laughs> over the yeah. past couple of days. It's all on YouTube. All you have to do is just Google, uh, go into your YouTube search and put Bondi Beach, and like literally, that's a, that's all you're going to see for two or three pages is that episode. So that was but actually that my show's last thing. it has been was, airing for like years. Yeah, so I, I actually on my note says reality TV gold on YouTube that is what i what i put on my notes so you you, you got me there <laughs> i've never seen
1: it but i would imagine it's kind of like baywatch <laughs> um no
0: I don't, it no, actually it's, talks it's about the yeah,
2: yeah like, of
1: the
0: lifeguards there and and all the stuff that goes down there like it'll go into the rescues it'll go
1: into where you should or shouldn't swim what oh, the flags probably, mean it's probably good then i i like i said i i don't I, Never actually watched an episode of it, but know because I was local and we don't tend to watch local. Of course not. Why would you watch
0: your local scene? I mean, you know. <laughs> we can just go there, you know.
2: Right, right. exactly. Right. We can watch it in real life. So the cool thing, the name is an Aboriginal name meaning Water Breaking Over Rocks. So if that tells you, you probably shouldn't be swimming in certain areas because there's water breaking over rocks and you probably don't want to get hit there.
1: So, a lot of the beaches around the harbor can be like that. You have to be very careful.
2: Super rocky. Yeah.
1: One of my favorite beaches in Sydney is Shelley Beach. It's awesome. actually on the northern side of the bridge um, on the manly side. Um, but it's a lovely little family beach if you want to go to a beach in in the city area.
2: And just for you guys planning your trip to Australia, uh, Michelle will offer consulting uh, for your trip there for a small nominal fee. No, I'm kidding, everybody. <laughs> I am kidding. She'll kill me. Um, <laughs> so, guys, we are coming up towards the end of the show. So if anybody has any last minute questions for any of us, yes. we'd love to take them. So, Yes,
0: here is finally 5-8. Hey, how are you? Hey, you should be telling people it's star six to unmute, not
2: star nine.
3: (laughs) Ah,
0: My bad. (laughs)
2: That's okay. Um, When I first started listening, it sounded like somebody was talking about um, scuba diving. They were talking about big fish going by. And you not realize, has anybody had enough vision? To go scuba diving of Australia, and another thing I was wondering is how how are they doing for sharks and things like that? Is the water safe? Um, yes, the
1: water is safe. The, there's lifeguards on most beaches, um, and they always put up shark sight like shark sighting. They'll put signs up saying if there's been sharks around certain times of the year. You know, the sharks are more likely to be around than other times. Um, Mating season, feedings, all that kind of stuff is, um, uh, they're very highly aware of it and that you will always be made aware when it is safe and when it is not safe. Um, Australians tend to be very laid back. Um, You may go to the beach and see lots of stupid Australians in the water, even though there's shark flags up
2: (laughs) Um,
1: because nothing scares the hell out of an Australian.
2: Nothing. That's because everything in the country kills you. So like (laughs) (laughs) honestly,
1: to be, to be honest in Sydney, um, the thing you need to be more afraid of is the blue bottles. They're a little octopus. They're very pretty and you're going to want to pick them up. Um, even for visually impaired people, they are very visually pretty because if you can see any anything at all, they're very um, the pattern on them is very bold. So even if you have like even a small amount of vision, you should probably still be able to distinguish it and you're going to want to pick it up and look at how pretty it is. Please don't.
2: Are they super uh, worse than a yeah. jellyfish?
1: Super super, super, super dangerous.
2: Okay. Well that no. is that is good information to add because I have a five year old that yes. would definitely pick up one of those things.
1: And they do so. <laughs> in large pools, like a lot of them in one area.
2: Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Do we have any thank you so much for your question? We can have time for one more question if anybody else has anything. Do we have any other hands up? If not, Desiree, we have anybody? Uh-huh don't see any awesome so that means we did an amazing job tonight answering all your questions about australia and you should recommend us to the national geographic channel no i'm kidding again <laughs> i would like to take this time one to thank you michelle for sharing another night with us we love having you on the show Thank you so much. Thank you for your insight. Dara, thank you for sharing your experience and getting us out to the streaming worlds so for us to be heard. Yeah. Desiree, you're an amazing hostess and you added great with the food. Cause I'm still hungry guys. We do, this, <laughs> we do this each and every week at 8 PM. Eastern um, next week. I believe there's going to be a special show, but it is my anniversary. So I'm taking the night off and you have the lovely ladies and Dara with you next week. Um, We do this because we love to travel and we're passionate about traveling and we want to teach you how to travel better. Uh, I did a quick search on my travel app and we had three or four four star hotels at over fifty percent off. So guys, we'd love to talk to you about that. If you have any suggestions on places to go, what you want to hear or anything like that, or you want to know more about the app, please email us at Out of Sight Adventures. That's plural, out of sight adventures 2020 at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Out of Sight Adventures. We have a new group going. Uh, it'd be far more interactive than what we had in the past. And we will be back here next Monday night. At 8 p.m., guys, thank you so much. We'd like to travel with you and experience the good life. Oh!